You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We're Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and fully entrenched in training camp. Much to get to. Obviously, the first day in pads hit Monday. And it was great to see real football in action. I know all the excitement about getting ready for training camp. It opens up and then it's like guys running around still unpadded and it's, you know, it's great to be there, but it's not as sexy or exciting as it is when we finally get in full pads. No. Yeah. Today felt like the first real day of practice, right? Like the first day that we can actually, right. I mean, cause we went through OTAs, we went through mini camp. We've seen so much that is not real football. And today felt like the first kind of bit of real football. So we're going to get into that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can get him at Steve Geller WWL. But we're going to be getting into observations basically from the first five days of practice and one day of padded practice, which is today. We're going to, And then I want to get into in the second segment. I want to go deep into what Jimmy Graham talked about on Saturday because I thought it was a fascinating interview where he kind of laid out a bunch of stuff that I didn't even realize over that have kind of been going on for him over the last five, six years since he was traded away. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time he's actually talked about it, which is fascinating to me because it was eight years ago, but he just has not talked about it until arriving with the saints. So I think it's worth spending an entire segment on that. And then in the last segment, I'd like to get into kind of what have we seen from Mike Thomas He's going to be the biggest story this offseason, whether we like it or not. And he's going to be the slant guy, no matter whether you like it or not. I do like it because I think I don't know why people hate slants because slants are fantastic. And we're going to get into that. He caught a bunch of them today. But first things first, let's get into some observations, happenings. Um, Since we recorded our last podcast, it happened on the second or third day of practice. We haven't talked about it yet. Trey Turner went down with a quad injury. 
Dennis Allen said today that it was a tendon rupture of some kind. Sounds miserable. You hate it for him. He just went on IR today to free up a roster spot. I guess it's that's that's a positive thing for him in terms of, you know, they're keeping him around and maybe they can bring him back next year. I don't know, but he's done. And that's, that's a bummer because I think that they really liked that competition at the guard spot. And I think he had a chance to unseat Andres Pete for that job. I really do. Um, and what we saw today was Andres Pete goes out with a quad injury of his own. But it's not as significant, obviously, as what Trey Turner dealt with. But we don't know exactly what he's dealing with. We saw him kind of lumbering off during practice today. He did not get into, the, into any of the team drills. And so that guard spot, I think you have James Hurst and Cesar Ruiz kind of in line to take over. But I don't know. It's it's kind of up in the up in the air. Yeah, with the development today, obviously with Pete leaving early, we're going to have to wait and see how long he's going to be out for now. But I'm, I'm imagining you're looking on the free agent market once again after, unfortunately, Trey Turner didn't work out. But, yeah, I thought he had a really good chance. The history of the player, uh, him being back home, you thought he'd be you know, a little rejuvenated too, like you hear from all these guys that get to come back to New Orleans who are from here. And so it just leaves you another big question mark at the offensive line spot again uh, when it looked like there was a little bit of answers for you. I'm not saying that Trey Turner was going to be the be-all, end-all, but I thought he was going to end up being a, a key rotational piece for this team. Pete leaving today, I guess it's it's really no surprises, uh, it's, except for the fact that it was so early on in practice. The team really hadn't even done much yet, and I saw he was walking back to the locker room Uh, We know his injury history is always a problem, unfortunately. Uh, The thing you have to, I guess, hope for right now, just for the continuity of this starting offensive line, is the fact that it doesn't keep him out long and he's able to go week one. Uh, But, yeah, uh, we don't know the severity of this quote-unquote calf strain right now is like what DA called it. Yeah, and like like you said, I just – have no faith in on just Pete from a health perspective. I actually think that when he's been healthy, he's been serviceable. He gets a lot of flack, but he's been fine when he's on the field. The problem is he has not been on the field. And I just don't know how you can go into this season trusting that to be the case. I think that's why you brought in Trey Turner to begin with. And I don't know who do you bring in? They re-signed Coda Martin, a guy who <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't even realize wasn't on the roster. I thought he, because <laughs> he was on the roster through mini camp. And then I guess they waived him. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to make an impact, right? He spent a couple of years on the Arizona Cardinals and he spent the offseason here. He's a guy they know. It's kind of like they were like, well, we need we need bodies. So we might as well just bring him in because we know him. He's not the answer at guard. Calvin Throckmorton is not the answer at guard. Hopefully Nick Saldaveri can do something early in his career. But it's it's tough to say. The other signing that is worth mentioning, Kyle Phillips, the Saints brought him in. He was wearing 91 today. He was out there, but I don't think he was fully practicing. He's kind of just going through drills off to the side. He's wearing number 91, which is the number that Jabari Zuniga had been wearing. (laughs) He has retired from the NFL at age 25. Never really was able to latch on. He was a third-round draft pick in 2020. It's kind of crazy to think about. And he was another Jets guy. You know, the Saints, for whatever reason, have been enjoying Jets guys. Kyle Phillips is another Jets player. Nathan Shepard is a Jets player. They've 
Marcus May was a Jets player. I don't know what it is about the Jets system, but the Saints seem to really like bringing in defenders from the Jets organization. Yeah, the big one too, Demario Davis, obviously. I, I think he was drafted by the Jets, right? I think he was drafted by the Browns. Okay, then went to the Jets. Yeah, actually, I may, may have that backward. I think he was with the Jets, went to the Browns, went back to the Jets, and then the Saints signed him. Either way, that's a good note. He, he another right. former Jet player, although it was a different regime, right? Sure, like, sure. <laughs> like the others have all come kind of out of the same out of the same system. But it's good. It's a good note. Uh, even to I'll even go dig back a little further just because it's on my brain with Jets. Uh, Jonathan Vilma, obviously, too. So yeah, they've they've had some pretty good history of former former Jets players. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe they just feel like you know, the cold toughens you up and you just bring him down. But uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, n- I don't really know anything about Kyle Phillips. They just announced that signing today, so we'll I'm sure we'll see him out at practice tomorrow, and you'll go from there. But you know, Jarari Zuniga was not exactly gonna blow the doors off anybody. Um, they clearly liked him. They brought him back, but yeah. So that's really like the only said, roster moves that we've like seen. you said though. Too wild to think that was just. A couple years ago, this guy was not even a late round pick. That third round round pick. That's a significant investment from a team right there. I I think we're going to go back to that 2020 draft and find a lot of examples of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because I think there was a lot of shots in the dark in that draft. Zach Bond was in that draft as a third round draft pick as well. And, you know, we talked to him today and he was (laughs) still talking about how he needs to refine his coverage skills. I'm like, dude, you're in year four. Like I, I appreciate that you're that you're being optimistic and you're like, okay, uh, you know, there's stuff that I wasn't perfect at coming out of college. I'm still working, but no, no, you should have it by now. You should say I'm good here. Like I have done the work and now I'm ready to show it. What do you mean you're still refining <laughs> your technique? What are that? What when is it going to be refined? Anyway, I do well, not we, have faith in Zach Bond either. I was going to uh, say check him off the next guy behind Demario and Pete the, uh, Warner then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's another thing. Uh, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. The what I will say, and I had someone talk to me about, oh well, same old Saints constantly dealing with health and injuries and stuff. I actually think, knock on wood, they are very healthy right now. Everyone was at practice right. today. <laughs> they had a hundred percent attendance at practice, not including Trey Turner, who is obviously going on IR. But you know, that's impressive. Like that's unusual. So. In that in that vein, obviously the Trey Turner injury is disappointing, but in the sense of the guy you signed off the street, who you didn't even think was going to be a factor until last Monday, is the only guy you're dealing with a significant injury with right now. I feel like you know when you take a step back and you appreciate where things were last year with Mike Thomas and Pete Werner and all this and Trevor Penning dealing with the injury late in the preseason, you know to to now where Trevor Penning is there, he's still kind of getting worked in slowly kind of get that two reps with first team and then they swap them out. I, I can't complain about how the how the health is stacking up. And I think there's a point where you have to say the training staff seems to have turned a corner. Yeah, and I mean... And Pete, so t- Pete, Pete is Pete, right? Pete is... Right. Pete You're going to have your guys that... I mean, it's an elbow, it's a thumb, it's a pectoral, yeah. it's an ankle. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the guy just... It's constantly something with Andrews Pete. And just with the injury front, I mean, you see that across the NFL... This is a hard game, folks. I mean, it's not just New Orleans that is, quote unquote, snake bitten by these injuries. And I got to stop saying that, quote unquote, I realize, too. Now I'm using that one too much. You, you, besides my other ticks, I, I feel I've realized that's one of them. But that's anyway, fine. the thing with 
the injuries they're going to happen right now and I, I agree with you thankfully this team is relatively healthy uh you got some guys you know, obviously like a I mean it, it could change but right now like there's <laughs> right this now, idea that yes. like, wow, they're just constantly getting all these injuries We're right now they're in good shape no like you said 100 percent attendance the day before Pete went off other than that yeah we've seen them taking it slow with your Michael Thomas, your Trevor Pennings, and for good cause, you don't want to rush anything when it, there's no reason to right now. I can't remember the last time I was taking attendance at practice and ended up crossing off every name. Right. Which obviously not Trey Turner, but he is only on that roster because they hadn't moved him to IR yet. But every single name on that list was on the field. And yeah, that does Turner's, not happen here. Turner's now on IR, so we won't have to worry about even scratching him off right. anymore. Ideally, you know, and tomorrow I'm sure Pete won't be there, so whatever. But either way, like, I, I think that narrative is kind of missing right now the point that, you know, they, they're, they're in good. Like, look at what happened to the Bengals. Look at Joe Burrow. Like, one major injury like that, and the Saints obviously have a long way to go. We should not count our chickens. But it's still, you know, right now I'm okay with it. Kind of moving on slightly to something that happened today that – we don't get to see as much of anymore. The Saints have kind of dialed back how much they go to this. Is We saw one-on-one reps with the wide receivers and the defensive backs. We don't get to record it anymore, which annoys the hell out of me because it becomes really difficult to kind of analyze everything that happened. You can really just make a quick note and move on because they the reps go right one after another. You barely have enough time to write down and scribble what happened. Before you move on but they it is really engaging it's really fun it's probably one of the more fun drills you get to watch because you can really just hone in on what's going on with these two guys that said i get annoyed when people ask me constantly oh who threw the pass who threw the pass one-on-one reps between defensive backs and wide receivers and the same is true of linebackers and tight ends it is not a quarterback drill it's really not Think of it more like batting practice. Like you never, if you're watching batting practice, you don't say like, oh, who's throwing the pitches? No, because the pitches are just going to a spot. Like the balls, like the quarterback's standing there with no pass rush. The ball has to come out. And that's what I talked to Isaac Adam today, um, who had a really good rep against A.T. Perry. It was a really con- well, well contested play. A.T. went up, made a nice catch. The first true contested catch I've seen him make. And one of the things he said that I think is relevant, it's like it's actually really helpful for DBs because if you play perfect coverage on a team rep, the ball's not coming to you 95% of the time. Like maybe it does come out anyway and the the quarterback just gives him like a 50-50 ball. But in most cases, it's like you don't get to work on your ball skills if you're playing really good defense as a defensive back. In one-on-ones, the ball is coming out. So you get to work on those ball skills and I just thought that was interesting because like Marshawn, he doesn't get to, he really doesn't get thrown at, right? Like you don't, he doesn't get a chance to work on it. So that's where those reps are valuable. And I think a lot of people kind of miss the point of it, which is those are DB reps first and foremost. The wide receivers obviously get a chance to work on some of their one-on-one route running skills, but that is primarily a drill for the defense to work on those skills. And it's, Slanted heavily, I would say, in favor of the offense. Oh, and they, yeah, right. That's why it's a defensive drill because yeah. they are in a terrible position. <laughs> um, like they, that's probably why they stopped letting us record them because the DBs got annoyed Get watching all these clips right. of them getting burnt. Yeah, that was not the case though for Paulson Adebo today. No, Paulson looked great, and like you know, I, I keep saying, and we'll get more into the position battle as we go. I, I like Paulson Adebo. I think. 
when you put him across from Marshawn and you give him help over the top, I think he's going to be a very good player and he's very physical. And you see him going up against Mike Thomas. That is appointment viewing in terms of what he is able to do and what Mike wants to do, which is just to beat you up off the ball. That first rep, I know Paulson intercepted it. It was the I didn't see it because they started and I was looking at the, at the opposite side of the field. And by the time I got over there, all I could hear was this, the yell and celebration. But I know he intercepted that ball. I think Derek Carr threw it. There you go. And then later, Mike Thomas got him back with a, another really well-contested play. He just went up and made the catch, and it's what you want to see because Mike Thomas isn't going to be creating a ton of separation. He needs to be able to make those contested catches, and he did. Um, but, yeah, I thought Paulson looked great today. Yeah, I know he had a, a forced incompletion against Taysom and I think uh, Shahid, uh, which were really nice. I'm looking forward to seeing more of these battles because it just you want to see that separation. Who is going to be that dude? Is it going to be Paulson or is it going to be Alante Taylor that ends up being your starter across from Marshall? But I'm wondering if it's – are you going to see a rotation come during the season? Is it going to be a mix of both of those guys in and out? I just don't know how much – that ruins someone's rhythm in the course of a game. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, before we go on, here is what Dennis Allen had to say when I asked him about kind of the point of these 1v1 routes. Well, look, the most important thing in that situation, because that drill is really slanted towards the offense. Uh, there's some drills that are slanted towards the defense. That particular drill is a little bit slanted more towards the offense. Um, and so really, it's an opportunity for guys to really focus in on, concentrate on, on working their technique and if you work proper technique in that drill and have success there, that that that'll 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 bode well as you get into you know full team situations where now there's a rush on the quarterback. You're not necessarily expected to win those reps if you're if you're a DB. I mean, think about it. How many Saints defensive backs would you be like, yeah, put them on an island, we trust them? One. And it's Marshawn Lattimore. And even he in those situations is gonna have a hard time. So like you're talking about a guy like Isaac Yadam who tells me he likes those reps. He didn't like him when he was a young player, but he likes him now because he gets to be more physical. He gets to really hone in on his techniques. That rep against A.T. Perry, he said he knew why he lost it before he lost it. And it was because he was kind of dancing at the line. He wasn't getting his feet set. And then he just kind of got beat off the ball and it was over. And that's the type of thing that's like, yeah, it's annoying if you're a defensive back and you're getting beat and you feel like you're playing good coverage. But it's where you it's kind of that like sink or swim situation. And I think there's value in that. The other thing DA said that I think is interesting, there were no seven-on-seven reps today. And because of that, there were no one-on-one defensive line, offensive line drills. Because that's when they would be doing those, is when the offense and the D and the linebackers are doing the seven-on-sevens with no, with no lines. They're over there doing their one-on-one. So I, I just thought that, and I never see it because I'm always watching the seven-on-sevens. I don't know. I thought that was interesting because it's a good point. I never thought about that. No, that, I mean, the that's always something too that seems like it's, you know, a, a must appointment viewing and we just didn't get that today. Well, it's just, and that's another thing is like, we I can give you all these notes on practice. Understand that is physically impossible for me to watch everything. <laughs> like I kind of have to just take turns. One of these days I'll have to skip seven-on-sevens and go over and watch the the one-on-one offensive line, defensive line drills, but it's just, uh, you know, it's only so much you can do and we can only stand in certain areas and they don't let us kind of well, hide them in the corner. And- yeah, that's that's the toughest part too is trying to get a good angle for those one-on-ones with the offensive and defensive linemen. I agree. One more note before we move on to the next segment is Jeff Duncan reported this over the weekend. Dennis Allen confirmed it 
Alvin Kamara is going to be meeting with Roger Goodell. The idea being he's going to kind of tell him his side of the story as it pertains to the Las Vegas nightclub incident that has been settled criminally. And now the question just remains of, okay, what's the discipline going to be? And, you know, I, I have no idea whether anything Alvin has to say will sway Roger or anybody in that regard, but it's probably not a terrible idea. You know, it's kind of a why not? It couldn't hurt, I imagine. I hope I hope it couldn't hurt. I don't know if it could actually, now that I say that. But here yeah. is what Dennis Allen had to say when he was asked about, you know, wh- wh- how that all developed. I think that was a discussion that initially started with him and Mickey. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think Alvin really wants to, you know, get out ahead of this and, and uh, um, have a chance to visit with uh, Roger and, and, you know, kind of give him his side of the story. And, and look, at the end of the day, you know, I think part of it is, you know, let, let's let's get some resolution to where we're at and then let's move forward. So I, I think Alvin, you know, um, you know, is looking forward to putting this behind him and focusing in on uh, what he has to do uh, to be the best he can for our team this season. But yeah, so apparently that was a conversation that Alvin had with Mickey and they kind of just got it going. He indicated to Jeff Duncan that, it was going to be happening prior to August 2nd, which would be Wednesday. So I don't know if maybe they would do it over Zoom. Maybe they would do it here. Or maybe if Alvin's not here tomorrow, we know why. But either way, it's going to be, you know, I think if that's what's, if they're going to levy discipline quickly, I imagine it won't come too long after that meeting. And we haven't talked to Alvin yet. He said he's going to talk to us after that happens. So I don't know. Either way, that's, it's going to be a huge story when it when it drops. Um, but at least we could feel safe that we won't be getting the discipline until that conversation happens. Yeah, we have an off day this week on Thursday. So maybe that's even when they do some kind of meeting. I'm curious, too, now that you mentioned it, it's like, you know, I think, you know, you, you want to meet somebody. I'm like, wow, is, is Alvin going to fly to New York or something? But, yeah, we have Zoom calls nowadays and, you know, who you don't need to. Uh, be face-to-face kind of thing. Although it's an issue, I wonder if he'd want to have like that in-person meeting and sit down with the commissioner. And If you're trying to get, get some the- <laughs> positive feels and like you're trying to win somebody over, being in-person would be helpful, I think. Yeah. Because I've been on enough Zoom calls and I personally find no issue whatsoever in being a bitch over Zoom. I'm a bitch to people over Zoom all the time. But when I see them in person, I'm like, oh, how you doing? (laughs) Oh, you're a human just like me. You're not you don't live in that computer screen. And so I I don't know. That's that's my personal vibe. If I'm Alvin and I'm trying to kind of massage the skids here a little bit. I know that's a mixed reference, but stay with me. Uh, That's I would be flying out there Um, because, you know, you say, oh, how much does it cost to fly out there? It'll cost a heck of a lot less than missing two games would and losing two game checks. So if he can get that suspension down from like six games to four games with an, with a conversation and getting on the right side of the commissioner, why not? Yeah. That, that's the last thing to worry about. It's obviously does the commission have the time and is willing to have this sit down, which I, I'm, I'm sure he will. Hopefully album brings him a nice uh, present from new Orleans that softens the commission up even more and be like, remember Sean Payton's not here anymore. You don't have to hate us. 
I was just about to say, you should go over there and be like, yeah, that Sean guy is kind of a jackass, no? <laughs> right? Thank God he's gone. Thank God he's not here anymore. Man, he's such a dick. Yeah, those brawls out everybody. <laughs> oh, that's how he should lead. Yeah, 100% should lead off that meeting. I bet he, gets, he doesn't get suspended at all. They'll suspend Sean. Because he'll yeah. tell them all the secrets. He'll give yeah, we'll, them all the goods. We'll double back, and we found some stuff about Sean we didn't like. <laughs> Based on our interview with Alvin Kamara, we're going to suspend Sean Payton for three games. Everyone's like, <laughs> we, why? We can't tell you why. We just know he deserves it. And you know what? I think Saints will be like, okay, we're okay with that now. <laughs> yeah, why not? It doesn't affect right. them. Oh, uh, anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, this has gone off the rails a little bit, but we're going to come back. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to dive into the pretty extensive interview that Jimmy Graham did over the weekend. He was this first time talking to the media since coming back to New Orleans. He had a lot of fascinating things to say. So we're going to dive into that. Then we're going to close out with some content about Mike Thomas. And then we're going to pick our kind of top three standouts for the start of training camp. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back. Another segment of this here episode of Inside Black and Gold. We are coming to you after the first full padded practice, almost real football. It was fun. So we got a lot to talk about. But this segment, we're going to go kind of back a little bit. We're going to backtrack to Saturday when Jimmy Graham talked to the media for the first time. Talked for 17 minutes, which I don't know if that sounds like a lot to you, but it is for anybody. And it is an insane amount of time for Jimmy Graham to talk to the media, a guy who I don't know if he's talked to the media for 17 minutes aggregate over the last four years. Um, so we're going to get into it. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow him at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show Inside Black and Gold on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to hear. We got a lot of t- ground to cover between now and the end of training camp. So, you know. Well, we're looking for ideas, and uh, we'll, we'll we will execute them poorly if you give them to us. So, Steve, let's kind of let's kind of backtrack. So, what what is your initial impression of Jimmy Graham as he returns to the city? As he kind of he's kind of a new look. He looks slimmer. Um, I don't know how they're going to use him, but I feel like red zone is likely. Uh, but what has your kind of read been on that situation to this point? Everything with Jimmy has obviously been a huge positive. The fans are excited. I know even a lot of players. 
are excited to see him back here. The thing is, he was uh, definitely immature in the locker room for the media, at least when we were around. You mentioned him talking 17 minutes. To me, yeah, that's that's unheralded for him. I just remember going back in the day, you'd be in the locker room, and all of a sudden you'd see Jimmy open up the training room door and kind of peek his head out and smile at everybody and be like, oh, I'm not coming in there, and then leave kind of thing. But uh, I know Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis addressed that as in their opening uh, that press conference were saying that he's he's a more mature player nowadays and – Hopefully that means more access to the media because it's not like he's not a good speaker. Uh, I just felt like he might have been an intimidated young player that didn't know what to say at the time kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, But uh, as far as a player nowadays, you know, I don't think that he's going to be this huge, massive target or guy that's going to, you know, get a ton of catches for this team. But I do think he is still a huge, valuable weapon inside the red zone because of the fact he's big and physical and knows how to use it. I mean, we've seen that in the past and that's, that hasn't gone away from him. And with a quarterback like Derek Carr, there's a lot of hope in the fact that I think a five, six touchdown season really isn't out of the question. He can still dunk too. (laughs) We don't want to see any penalties for that though. It feels amazing to be back home, you know, uh, uh, just really driving up to this facility on Monday uh, brought back beyond uh, beautiful moments for me. Um, you know, not only, um, you know, here in this here in this building, but, you know, here in the city, you know, uh, I became a man in this city and um, it meant everything to me to play for this city. Um, and so to come back here and, and to be able to, you know, get all those uh, amazing memories, amazing wins, amazing people. Um, amazing fans is 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 truly special and um you know it made me pretty emotional you know monday tuesday you know just to be able to be back here and then obviously um to be able to put my jersey back on you know it's it's uh you know words can't describe you know what it feels like to be gone you know for that long you know from something that you love um from the people that you love so uh you know i'm fired up what was your reaction it's really kind of an emotional story when you think about it. Like Jimmy Graham kind of grew up abandoned, right? Like, and, and obviously he was, he was adopted, but he, he grew up in a group home and it was, you know, there was a lot of stories about how it was not a good situation. And so he kind of treated new Orleans like his home. Like he talked about Drew Brees, like his older brother. And then he wakes up one morning and he's traded. Um, and right. It's really, it really is. It kind of hits you right in the feels when you think about it. Cause it's like, he kind of felt abandoned by the team that, you know, he, he had made a home with. And it's not, not that unlike what happened to him as a child. And, um, and I think that's part of the reason he wanted to come back so badly. And, you know, he talked about how he, he had told his agent, you know, he was, he'd come back and play for the saints. Otherwise that's it. You know, I'm, I'm not going and playing for another team. There had been teams that had called him up playoff caliber teams and, he was not interested last year. He spent the year off. He says he feels as good as he ever has. He's he focused on his body last year. And I think everyone's going to say that, you know, who knows? Like I'm pretty sure Kiko Alonso would have said that last year, but you know, I, I think that a year off kind of to, to kind of lick the wounds and kind of get better when f- deal with any aches and pains that have been lingering, especially for a 36 year old dude is helpful. 
Um, he said he's been trying to come home for a long time. I don't know how hard he has been trying in terms of he probably could have resigned here a few years ago. He ended up going to the Packers. Last year, they had talks, he and Mickey, maybe they couldn't agree on a deal, whatever. He's back now. And, you know, I've said this a few times. I don't think he comes back without at least some reasonable idea of what his role would be and that there would be a role for him. And I said this on WWL this morning. I think it's more like there is a question as to whether he makes the roster, but he's not a camp body in the sense that they're bringing in somebody just to just to compete with the idea that the other probably going to get cut. I think he has a chance to be a camp body, but only if he shows that his physically he can't hack it anymore. And from what I have seen over the last few days, that's not the case. He can physically do it. Uh, so I, I fully expect him to make this roster barring any injuries, barring anything unfortunate. Um, but I, I think it's a really cool story and we'll get into more about the trade, but um, I think that's what the point that he really wanted to drive home is like, this is where he grew up. Like this is where he, he, he kind of became a man as he put it. Yeah. And coming back to be leader that drew was to him to the younger guys, like the Juwan Johnson, who calls him Master Splinter. I think that's really cool for him, and it's something he wanted to do, and we should all feel fortunate that we get to see it play out. Yeah, and I think the first day in pads, we really saw how excited Jimmy is to yeah. be back. Unfortunately, poor Troy Pride, though. Was that Troy Pride? I was trying to – I didn't yeah, yeah, write it, it down. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I was – I had it in my notes that he just bull rushed a dude, um, and he didn't have to. Like, he chose to do that. Yes. Um, he just caught a pass into the flat, turned up field, and just lowered his shoulder and took out Troy Pride, which, yeah, I, I saw it happen right in front of me, but I didn't I didn't clock the number because he was plastered on the ground. I drew a pretty big cheer from the fans. Every, every time he catches a ball, the fans cheer. And I appreciated that because, again, this is a 36-year-old, and I think that's probably just like a moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to see what happens here. <laughs> and he did it. Uh, that's a good note. I appreciate you brought that up. No, it, it was like like exactly what you said. He's like, you know what? It's first day in pads. Sorry, guy. I'm going to make an example out of you right now because I can. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah, you, you're wrong place, wrong time, buddy. Uh, here's all full 67260 in your chest. Um, you know, and we talked to Troy Pride uh, yesterday. No, not yesterday, Saturday. And uh, I actually, you know, Troy Pride has had a really good camp. I enjoyed talking to him. So he, uh, so I covered high school sports in South Carolina when he was at Greer in South Carolina and Brian Edwards was in Conway. And I was asking him about how, if he ever played against Brian in high school, I didn't think he did. And he said, no, cause, cause Brian wussed out and didn't play in the shrine bowl. Uh, and he was bummed cause he was like one of the top DBs and Brian was a top wide receiver and they didn't get a match anyway. But yeah, Troy pride, uh, he still got pride, but not, not, it's maybe good dinged a little bit on that play but yeah so let's get into the trade now there's a few elements of this trade that i think are worth talking about the first being he did not see it coming whatsoever and that's from what he said you know yeah um there are a lot of storylines that went around in terms of that but one thing that i didn't realize but now makes a lot of sense he stopped talking to the media after being sent out to seattle and I don't know if maybe Marshawn Lynch not talking to the media played a factor here. It seems like an odd coincidence that both those guys ended up on the same roster and neither is willing to talk to the media and neither of them influenced each other, but whatever. He just stopped talking to the media and you get fined for that. Like if you refuse, outright refuse to talk to right. the media. And, you know, just on a whim, 
I looked in YouTube and I searched Jimmy Graham interview and you'll find clips of him doing interviews. They're from the Saints days. They're from eight, nine years ago. I did find one interview that he did after a post-game interview when he was with the Seahawks and he was wearing full pads and jersey. And you don't see guys wearing full pads and jerseys in post-game interviews. So they must have just grabbed him off the field and said, Jimmy, get out there. I think he caught a touchdown. He had a big game. So it was like, what, what, what do you got to lose here? Like, just do a freaking interview. Like, I, I can't, I've never, in the time I've spent covering this Saints team, I have not seen a player do a, do a post-game interview in pads. So it's just kind of, like, I think that's just a, like, he's, if, you, if he had time to change out of his pads, he would have run away. Because he just cho- did not want to do interviews, and I th- and it was because he just didn't feel like he felt abandoned. He did, was not in a good headspace, and he had nothing positive to say. So he focused on football, and you know I, I think it's like it really is sad. You think back to the how good he was and how how important of a piece he was to those teams, and and just suddenly he's shipped out to Seattle, and he doesn't is just you know doesn't know any better. I totally had forgotten about the part where you had mentioned, you know, obviously his childhood and, you know, being adopted kind of thing. And yeah, that, that just brutal to be brought in, you know, to your new home, this Saints uh, squad here. And he even talked about, I remember something to the fact that he never wanted to play with another quarterback besides Drew Brees kind of thing. And obviously that, that didn't turn out to be, but yeah, for whatever reason, like I mentioned before, even hearing, you know, the, the fact of him not doing interviews in Seattle, Seattle, but he he's never been a big talk to the no. media guy. So that might have just helped add to that. Like after the trade was like, well, I've definitely got nothing good to say anymore. So I'm shutting it down completely. I, I think you're 100 percent right. Like he was already a non talkative person. He didn't want yeah. to do the media anyway. And that was just an excuse to not do it. But he was he was risking fines. He did not care. And so here, here's his full kind of answer about the trade because I think it's I think it's worth listening to. Um, it's a longer clip, but uh, I just figured we could just listen to the whole thing and then. Never really talked about it. You know, I, you know, for me it was pretty shocking, honestly. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I thought I would never leave this place, and and uh, you know, obviously it's you know it's a business. You know, this league's a business, and. Um, you know, I woke up to the part of the business, you know, that hurts, you know, so for, for me, it was, it was very difficult, but I didn't know I was going to a Super Bowl contender and, you know, I know I had the opportunity to, you know, to possibly make a run at a ring and, and, you know, that's always been a goal for me and, and, uh, but, you know, definitely moving across the country was a little different and, and, uh, um, but at first, yeah, it was, it was very difficult because, um, you know, because my, my connection with Drew, um, you know, as a as an older brother and and all the people in this building, you know, it, it was a you know it was a family, you know, and and uh, you know, so for me, you know, a guy that doesn't have a lot of family, um, you know, it was it was definitely a, a difficult time for me. Was it something you possibly saw coming, or was it total shock? Yeah, it was total shock for me. Um, you know, I mean, I never imagined being anywhere else, so definitely a shock. Jimmy, How long did it come to that realization that that was just part of the business, and they, you were able to? to get past some of those initial feelings? Well, um, it took me a little bit for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I've always been an emotional uh, per, uh, player. You know, I, I think I've always kind of wore my wore my heart on my sleeve and, and 
you know, after leaving here, um, I basically stopped doing interviews. <laughs> um, and that was, kind of, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons, you know, I mean, I didn't really have a lot to say that was positive, you know, I mean, it, at the time it really hurt. Um, and it was really difficult for me. So, you know, I just focused on at the time, um, you know, just being a good teammate and, and, you know, committing to the place I was at, you know, into that scheme and, you know, to, um, you know, to learning to fit into a, a team that was great. You know, I mean, a team that, you know, had the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, uh, unbelievable, you know, explosive offense, um, you know, Russell Wilson and, and um, you know, had a great tighter room. So, you know, for me, it was it was really just trying to focus on that. But, you know, that's that's kind of one of the bigger reasons, I guess, I, I started getting in trouble with the media a little bit. I, I genuinely didn't know what to say. And, and, and you know, I just didn't want to be bothered with it, honestly. I, I just think it's it's a it's really that was a fascinating answer. And again, he's never talked about that trade before, which is crazy. People also I, I also hear like, well, the Saints won that trade and maybe they did. Max Unger was very good. They blew the draft pick on Stefan Anthony. But Max sure. Unger, I think, was good enough that you kind of look at it and say, OK, would they have been better off with Jimmy Graham? Jimmy did not have any more ascendant seasons right but he did have a 10 touchdown season in seattle he had one season where he had 65 catches 923 yards and and six touchdowns which for a tight end that's a pretty good season right so it's not like he was a scrub and you also look at what the saints went through i mean we can pretend that they were great they were not they had seven and nine seasons after trading jimmy graham right you talk about two you know post jimmy graham what i think of right away is Kobe, Kobe Fleener being brought in. Oh, man, that was terrible. Right? They've been trying to find a tight end ever since Jimmy Graham. I think people people like to gripe about Jared Cook. Jared Cook is the best tight end they've had since Jimmy Graham. And Jared Cook had a solid one solid season, and then a kind of eh, the ball security is what people remember. But, I mean. Ben Watson that, was that, solid, uh, but he ben wasn't Watson any. was okay. Right, right. He was a he good was all-around guy. He was what he, if the Saints get out of Jimmy Graham, what they get out of Ben Watson, they will be thrilled. Yeah. But I mean, that's like Agreed. 40 catches, 300 yards, two, three touchdowns, right? But either way, like the idea that they won that trade because Max Unger was, was good, I don't know because the team didn't do well. <laughs> and you can blame it on the defense and you should blame it on the defense. But either way, they didn't get better for trading Jimmy Graham. They had a chance and they blew the draft pick. Yeah. But, um, the one more thing that I want to get into and Bobby brought this up and I'm glad he did because I think that it was worth clearing the air on it is the whole like wanting to be paid as a wide receiver thing. And this is, I'm not even going to summarize. This is what, uh, this is what he had to say about it. I think that also kind of pissed me off because you know, that's, that's, that's not really what I wanted. You know, I just didn't want to be franchised. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to play uh, in the middle of the field in this league. You know, and and back then at that franchise tag, it just it made no sense. I was like, well, I just want a longer deal, and that's what that was about. It was about fighting that, and you know, um, making sure that you know I could take care of myself in case something crazy happened. So that's all that was about. Jimmy, were you saying that the merits after the franchise tag um, issue pissed you off because people were saying that's why you got traded, or were you saying just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just the issue in general. You know, it kind of got blown out of proportion. Everybody's like, he wants to be a risk, and it has nothing to do with that. I just don't want to be franchised. You know, I mean, uh, at the time, you know, I had played, I played, I played my rookie deal out. You know, and and you know, I never asked for a dollar. And um, you know, um, a lot of guys had taken early deals, and I never did. Uh, 
you know I just played with it and and so I expected that and but you know that's all history now you know I um, you know that was that was a long time ago and a few contracts ago so um, you know I'm just personally happy to be back you know happy to happy to be have the, you know this opportunity to work with you know um, such an unbelievable room a diverse room um, uh, you know it's awesome to to really sit down and talk with Carr, you know, just realize what type of man he is, what type of person he is. Um, and then, and then to see how much talent's on this team, you know, to see how many players that, that this team has and the team that's been built here is, is, is unbelievable. You know, uh, you know, so much talent on both sides of the ball and, and, you know, just excited to see it and, um, you know, spread some of my knowledge and some of the things that I've learned throughout my career. Jimmy's great with the media. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You would never know any better if you only listened to that interview and it's 17 minutes long. You're like, wow, well, right. this guy loves to talk. Very um, heartfelt. Yeah, you felt it was personal and there was no player speak, you know, uh, kind of, you know, run of the mill yearbook answers he was given. It was definitely from the heart and all, all this stuff, you know, hearing it again, uh, really, it was an emotional journey for this guy. You feel that. It was a lot of stuff that you can tell he has been wanting to say for a Get long off, time. Right. Yeah. Um, and he had to come back here to do it because why would you ask him all these questions in Seattle and in Green Bay and in Chicago? Um, but, you know, the franchise tag stuff sound familiar, <laughs> right? Do you not see like everything happening now with the running backs and then understand that that's what the, the battle Jimmy Graham was fighting five year, or eight years ago? You want to know what his stats were, his average stats for the three years before they tried to franchise? He averaged 85 catches for 1,028 yards and double-digit touchdowns, like a 12 and a half touchdowns a season. That were those were his, his averages right. per season for three <laughs> consecutive years. And then the Saints would not give him a multi-year deal. Yeah, that would annoy me too. And and I think like the the idea is like well why, if you're gonna franchise me at least do it as a wide receiver that's the part that people that people really latched onto and so that's yeah. what people remember but like you said that pisses them off because that's not what it was about it was about the same thing that running backs are bad about right now which is like you're not gonna I mean I'm risking life and limb every time I go over the middle of the field and someone dives at my legs because that's the only way they can tackle me and you're not even willing to give me a multi-year deal after all of this, after I played out my rookie deal and did not once come to you and say, you better freaking pay me. <laughs> I can understand it. I can understand it. And again, the way he looked at this team was it's a family, right? And then all of a sudden they weren't, they weren't going to pay him. And, and so he stood up for that and then he got traded. And, you know, I, I, it's really hard to, to disagree with Jimmy in this, you know, because I think we've gotten more player forward over the last decade in pro football and for good reasons. And I think if that happened today, say if it was like Travis Kelsey and you were just like, yeah, of course they're going to pay him. Anyway, I, I think that's a really interesting uh, point to all this. Yeah. And I definitely was one of those two that all, what stuck into my brain was definitely that Jimmy Graham wants to be paid like a wide receiver, not a tight end. It wasn't that yep. he didn't want the franchise tag. Yeah, and I don't think that ever got talked about. It was all just like, wow, he just wants more money. Anyway, <laughs> so let's let's move forward a little bit to just, okay, what are the expectations now, right? So one thing he talked about was that he's gone from about 285 to about 260, and he called himself a meathead when he was here before. He worked out with John Mall a lot, and he was just eating weights and getting heavy and getting big. 
And he talked to Tony Gonzalez, a guy who obviously played for a long time at tight end and is one of the best to ever do it. And on his advice, he slimmed down. And he, in his year off, he said he was biking hundreds of miles a week. He's in the best cardio shape of his life. And that's all by design. He's still going to be 6'7". He's still 260. But taking some of that, that poundage off and really working on his body has allowed him to, to be in really good shape this late in his career. Um, and so I think that's a factor, right? When you're trying to figure out, okay, can he still get this done? Yes, but we have to be careful. We have to be cognizant of, of who he is and where he is in his career as we do it. I think one of the things that will fascinate me is if they just kind of work a Taysom Hill set here where they kind of are in tandem for, for some reps and you get Taysom Hill, a guy who forces the defense to come up and play up at the line. And then Jimmy Graham, a six, seven guy who can get downfield and catch a jump ball. I think that could work, you know? And I don't know if that works the same with Juwan Johnson. I think you do want to give him rest when you can. I don't think if it works the same with Foster Morrow, they're, neither of those guys are big. I mean, they're, they're big, but they're not tall. They're not long. So I think that would work. And so I think that's the type of way you need to think about Jimmy Graham in this offense. And the fact that he's been able to come in in really good shape, I think that that helps. You know, there, there was a time that Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski were, were being mentioned in the same sentence. Obviously, that's Gronk's gone and, and Jimmy's on the downslope of his career. But that ability, that tough... Uh, being able to go up for a catch, uh, make that physical play and come down with it is something that's still ingrained with him. He's still got the big the size where he might not be as uh, heavy anymore, but he's still tall enough. Uh, and he's got those basketball skills, which we always heard about in every single NFL broadcast that he used to be a basketball player before coming to, you know, to football. So that's what I just want to see more of. And I think that Derek Carr and, you know, maybe uh, Taysom too can be that guy to, to get him the ball come the red zone. I, yeah. I'd be very interested to see you think QB power runs coming and all of a sudden Taysom lofts one, you know, 50, 50 ball up in the end zone for Jimmy Graham to come down with. Who's to say right. that would I work. I think it would work. <laughs> if he can throw touchdowns to Adam Troutman, he can throw touchdowns to Jimmy Graham. Yeah, and uh, he says he thinks he could probably dunk until he's 50, and I believe him. Uh, he doesn't have to get very high off the ground. And I don't think he can get very high off the ground anymore. But either way, like I said, I'm, I'm excited to watch it play out. And I, I, I feel like there's a, there's a big contingent of Saints fans, maybe not a big contingent, but there is a contingent of Saints fans who want to be right so badly that they're rooting for Jimmy to fail. Um, and for him to be a camp body because they predicted him as a camp body. And to just just enjoy the ride, guys. I mean, he could do nothing and and what's the worst case scenario that he's a good that he's a good influence on Juwan Johnson and Foster Morrow and these guys and these young players? I mean, great, right? Like that's that's part of the reason you brought him in. It's and then if he gives you anything and we get to watch him score another touchdown in the Saints jersey fantastic anyway I, it's fun enjoy the ride this is going this this will hopefully be a fun season and hopefully jimmy is a big part of that or at least a part that you're going to talk about uh by the end of it that's, yeah, that's all I have to say. there's so many great storylines obviously around this team this year but yeah the the added jimmy one coming in late now that's like added land yap right there yeah. and yeah i agree with you have fun with it we're not saying he's going to be pro bowl jimmy graham this season 
but he could definitely be a factor in the red zone where he's a problem. And I, I think that's key, especially for a team that had problems getting into the, the end zone last season. Look at Gronk in 2020. Man. <laughs> Another guy who came out of retirement. Yes, there you go. And did not have his full arsenal, but was still useful. Still had a big role on that Bucks team that won a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying the Saints are going to win a Super Bowl because they have Jimmy Graham, but like that's the type of situation that you're in, right? It's it's not that different. Anyway, let's this went on for a while. I think we got to the got to the, the you know the the point there, which is stop being mean to Jimmy. Let, let's 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 all just root for Jimmy and see. I, I think the I think for the most part though, like there's a ton of obviously Graham fans happy he's back. Oh, there's yeah. I say that's why Dusting I didn't out those jerseys out the closet. The vast majority of Saints fans are very excited as they should be, and I'm just overreacting to like seven people on Twitter. <laughs> there you go, right? Those those cranky folks. I mean, you go out to Saints camp, and every time he moves two feet in any direction, it's like ah, and I love it. I love it. I, I do love the fans when they're out there. It's so much more fun to cover those practices when the fans are out there. But all right. Let's close out that segment. We went on deep on Jimmy Graham, and we'll get to talk to him more. Let's close that out, and we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit about Mike Thomas and what we've seen from him and why I think he's, his role in this offense is so important for, for a lot of reasons you might not even realize. Um, but this is Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller, Steve Geller WWL. We're getting ready for one more segment of Inside Black Gold, and then Steve's going to run away and go on the radio like a good worker be that he is. But all right. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Leave us a review, please. Have you done that yet? If you haven't, do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, we we got to start getting promos. I think from all these Saints players to, to plug us. Do it. Um. Anyway, okay. So we talked a lot about Jimmy Graham. We talked a lot about the one v ones and the and, and and practice and pads and all this. Mike Thomas looks good. Mike Thomas looks. How good mean. does he look? Mike Thomas looks angry and I am on board. And one of the things that people like to say about Mike Thomas is that he only runs slants. First of all, that's not true. Look up the data. He runs plenty of other routes and he runs them well, but you know what? He runs better than probably anyone else on the planet. Wow, what's that? Slant routes. Hmm. And this idea that somehow that is an unskilled thing blows my freaking mind. Would you tell Shaq to stop dunking because it seems too easy for him? Would you still tell Steph Curry he shoots too many threes? He should take more difficult mid-range jumpers because it'll make the game more interesting to watch? No. So why are you telling Mike Thomas he shouldn't be running slant routes because no one else can stop it? That's idiotic. Move on. I think it started because of CD Deuce, which supposedly no. sparked the fight at, at, at practice. 
He was calling it didn't him slant start boy. because of CD Deuce, but I believe that CD Deuce knows that it annoys Mike Thomas because Mike <laughs> hears all that stuff. And then it's like his teammates being a dick to him, so he punches him in the face. Good for him. CJ probably deserved to get punched. Like that's the thing no one ever talks about is CJ is really good at getting punched and getting the other players thrown out of the game. He deserves to get punched. <laughs> like, like they are well within their rights to punch him in any circumstance that is not an NFL game because they're going to get kicked out of it. So it's a great play by him, but he's an antagonist. He knows what he's doing, and he got Mike. And, he, um, and Mike got suspended for a game, right? Like It says a little yes, something Mike about – Mike has a temper. We know I, that. I love CD Deuce too, but there says something about him that he's already on his third team. Yeah. And, he, and the Eagles wouldn't even resign him after right. leading the NFL in interceptions. Like, maybe there's something going on there, right? Uh, but, okay. So, Mike Thomas has a temper. I think it's it's what part of what makes him so great is that he's mean. He's mean. I talked to Isaac Yadam about this because I asked him, like, have you lined up against Mike yet? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that is that intimidating? Because you know he's just trying going to try to beat you to the ground. And he was just like, well, no, you gotta you got to match him. You have to go at him with the same level of physicality as he's going to go at you with. And it's difficult because players like Mike are really good at offensive pass interference, but making it look like it's defensive pass interference or just getting away with offensive pass interference. That's, that's a part of the game that no one ever talks about is that if you're really good at it, you can get away with offensive pass interference. You have to know how to do it. Same thing as an offensive lineman. You can hold as long as you hold in the right spot, Right. In basketball, it's like if you fall down, you get the foul. So you get really good at falling down creatively, right? It's all playing to the rules without breaking them. And Mike does it as well as anybody. But what he does, again, as better than anyone on the planet, is create immediate separation and then box guys out and make a catch before they can do anything. Uh, Mike Thomas got targeted four times in practice today. At least three of them were on quick slants. One of them, Marshawn, managed to break up. And that might happen one out of every 10 times. And it takes a player as good as Marshawn, who is, has the quick reflexes and the ability to get there, to do it. There was a play that Paulson Adebo read perfectly. He got to Mike as he was catching the ball. Mike still managed to secure it and use his momentum and fall forward for about a five to eight yard gain. Right. If you are running back and you could just guarantee five to eight yards, you're in the hall of freaking fame. For some reason, people think that because the ball gets thrown to Mike, it's less talented. And it's not because you are a quarterback's best friend. Every quarterback in the NFL would be better if they had a player who could create instant separation, battle for the catch, and then fall forward because you're big enough to take that hit. Right. The only thing that has held Mike Thomas back is his health. And, you know, part of it is being so physical and getting at probably doesn't help. But like this, uh, he looks great and he can do what he does best. He's going to make an impact on this offense. Yeah, come on. Mike, Mike Thomas is not that was receiver that's going to burn anybody with his speed or like some amazing, you know, agility kind of uh, this play that's got your jaw drop on the ground. But he is going to maybe get, be in a group of three, four guys and come out with the ball kind of thing. And he does, and he just does things that you cannot stop. Right. And that's, the, and what is that's, wrong like, with not being able to stop that slam? Well, there's this idea that it's like, oh, it's so easy. There's nothing skilled there. Well, then to stop it. Then then stop it. 
then stop it. Because he caught 149 passes in 2019, and everyone knew what he was going to do. Exactly. Why didn't they stop it? Because you can't. And that's what makes it so good. Same reason you can't stop Steph Curry. Same reason you couldn't stop Shaq, right? I don't know why I'm making all these basketball references. You get the idea. The other thing that he does, and I asked James Hurst about this today, <laughs> is when you can program those short yardage gains, those quick hitting gains, it allows your offensive line so much freedom. Um, and, and this is exactly this is what he had to say when I asked him about this. Is you know, doing his thing and you get those quick balls out. Yeah. Does, that, does that change your mindset as an offensive lineman knowing like I just gotta pull this block for yep. you know however long? Yeah, it's it's a huge help. Um, obviously his ability to get open, catch the ball and you know, even break a tackle and make big plays is huge for us as far as getting momentum going, but also it allows us to call different plays and allows the offensive line to, you know, change up their pass sets, give the defensive line a different look instead of us just setting back, setting back you know, and kind of being more passive. It allows us at times to be more aggressive. So I'm very grateful to have a player like that, that we can, you know, drop back and get the ball out in a second. Um, but it just, it's able to, to give us, to give defensive linemen different looks, which is, which is good for offensive linemen. You're affecting the game in ways that is not even like, oh, we needed a five-yard gain on first down. Okay, we got it, right? You are allowing your teammates to, to play off of you. You know, when he's talking about that, it's like, yeah, when you're constantly setting back and you're thinking, okay, we got to protect as long as it takes to get this ball out, you know, you're kind of locking yourself into into a box of like the defense knows what you're going to do and they're going to attack it. When you know you're getting the ball out fast, you can do a lot more. You can motion, you can you can keep the defense off guard. And when they are off guard, it means they're a, they're a tick slower. And when you can slow down the pass rush, you can do a lot of other things. And so... When you're looking at Mike Thomas, understand that you're not just looking at a guy who runs a lot of slants, who catches a lot of contested catches. You're looking at a guy who impacts your offense in so many ways, and just having him on the field and having him be a threat improves your offense and, and makes life easier on everybody else. It makes life easier on the quarterback, makes life easier on the running back, makes life easier on the offensive line, it makes life easier on the receiver on the other side of the field because he's not getting doubled. It affects the game in so many ways, and so... That's why I'm so excited to see Mike healthy and to see Mike back. And I'm hopeful that they can keep him healthy because when Mike is a part of this offense, it is a different offense. Oh, there's and no doubt. And it's, it's like no doubt with that, too. Uh, I just want to know, you know, we always hear the term wrap him up in bubble wrap, save him for the season. I, I don't know if we're there for that, Mike, that point yet for Mike Thomas because he's missed so much football. I still think, you know, getting acclimated, obviously, with Derek Carr, and the rest of the guys is, is still key. It's not like, you know, you got, you know, that timing with Drew Brees is still on point and you can just save Thomas the rest of the way. I don't know if we'll see him much in preseason kind of ball, but I, I, I'm just real uh, leery still about getting my hopes up with Thomas just because of the injury history. And now hopefully the ankle issues as well as the toe issue is something that he's moved on from because yeah, the, the past couple of seasons has just been miserable. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't know if he would benefit from being babied. I, I genuinely don't because he has been babied the last two seasons, and I, I don't oh, think yeah. it's been good for him. I think he's a guy that likes the work, and he's better for the work. And so I think that you you do benefit from getting him out there and letting him just go through the full reps. We saw last year, they, they, they slow played it, and he still got hurt. And um, I think you need to get – I think you're doing a lot of prehab, right? Like that's a word yeah. that I had to, I had to define for Bobby Abery the other day. Um, Cause he was like, what the hell does that mean? And it, and it means like preventative maintenance, right? Like 
you know what the issues are going to be. So you're doing work ahead of time. Like you're, you're dealing with the feet. You're making sure that if there's any aches and pains, you're addressing it before something snaps. Right. And hopefully that's something that he's gotten better at. And I'm sure it's something that the saints are making sure he's focused on. And yeah, I, I so, but I don't think like you're shutting him down. You're saying this, I, I mean, for this, I still don't think you're getting him out there in preseason games because why would you, but like those joint practices, I expect him to be a full go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if throughout the season, maybe you, you do some load maintenance, right. And maybe there's like, it's like he plays four games in a row and it's like, okay, you're feeling good. Maybe we ro- dial back your snap count for this game. Maybe we give you a week off, even, you know, the same way you would have an off day in baseball. Maybe it's like, yeah, this is, this is probably one we can, we can win without you. I don't know. But either way, I like, I think this, this slant, slant boy narrative always, always grinds my gears because I think people are trying to speak, like project that, it's not talented, so it should not be done. But it's all coming from a place of we can't stop it. And it's frustrating that we can't stop it, even though we know what's happening. I think maybe it's just because, yeah, Mike's doing get does his production in a way that it's not like a Justin Jefferson. It's not the same kind of receiver. No. He's got 149 passes. He's pretty but everyone good. everyone knows what he's doing. And they, it's like it's so obvious. He's got 149 passes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes like 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 good receivers three years to get to that total. Not great receivers, but like average NFL receivers who play 17 games. It might take them three years to get to that reception total. And he did it in 16 games, um, right? And that, and like you said, that was a 16 game season. Still, uh, I just get a kick out of it. But all right, let's let's close this off. Um, you know, wh- why don't you pick a handful of players who you think have been standouts? so far and let's let's avoid mike thomas and marshawn Lattimore. we know they've been good let's kind of lop that off the top and we don't want to say Derek carr either let's pick some middle of the pack players that have stood out to you over the first five practices you don't have to get too in depth but just 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 give me a yeah number one i think uh rashid shaheed has definitely uh looked the part of a wide receiver not just uh a gadget guy or a return person interested to see more of him doing more in the route tree because uh, I think he can really get it all kind of deal uh, and definitely anxious to see what he's capable of in this offense. We saw a little bit last season and was impressive on defense. uh, I got us, I got us go with Peyton Turner surprisingly uh, that he's, he stood out early on now that the pads are on though. I do want to see it more. I love the fire and that kind of, attitude that he's shown on the field now i just want to see it more with the pads on because they definitely need that on the defensive side yeah i think those are both good picks um peyton turner was chasing down Derek Carr today. he got some pressure a couple times um i'm still you know we're still kind of in the process of figuring out uh how he's going to impact the game but uh, i think he is in line to be the starter across from cam nothing i've seen has kind of made me feel like he's not that so that's better a good be, right thing. That's a good thing. Um, Rashid, you know, every like he caught a bomb today. It was the first time he's connected on one of those. It was from Jake Hayner. He had a chance at one the other day. Isaac Yadam got in and broke it up. But you see him like you, you, you see him get out and like just put the wheels down. And it's like, man, he, he's so smooth. And yeah, he just it looks he's so effortless. Yeah, exactly. On the field. <laughs> um, and it's like all you got to do is get it out there for him. Like Jameis had a chance. 
at a at a deep ball or on either the first or second day of practice. I think it was the first day, and he underthrew him. And I think it's like you underestimate just how fast he is and just how quickly he gets out there. It's like you just got to sling it. You just got to get it out as far as you can and let him run under it. Like he's that type of fast and he's that type of smooth. And you just got to trust he's going to blow by his guy. And uh, yeah, so I, I I have enjoyed watching that. Um, you know, it's you, I haven't seen anyone stand out at linebacker yet. You know, Andrew Dowell's made a couple plays. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there really hasn't been a ton at, at linebacker. And, and that's kind of disappointed me to this point. If I'm looking for kind of a depth defensive back, I think Paulson Debo has looked good. I think Alante Taylor has looked good. I think Troy Pride, you know, yeah, and obviously he got he got just demolished by Jimmy Graham today, but you know, Jimmy ended up on the ground. So I guess he'd get the tackle for, for that. Uh but you know, I think in terms of a guy who I did not expect to show up and show out this well, he's a guy for me. And you know, Smoke Mondays look good as a blitzer, I haven't really seen much from him as a defender, as a, as a deep back. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll go with Troy pride as a, a defensive back who is, who's caught my eye. Uh, and then Lynn Bowden, for sure. I think Lynn Bowden has looked good. You know, he, the, the issue for Lynn is he, he has really good chemistry with Jake Hayner, but I don't think that chemistry with the third string quarterback is going to get you on this roster this year, but he has also got upside as a returner. And I don't see a ton of, really impressive competition at the wide receiver spot that would make me think he doesn't have a chance at this roster. Um, Traquan had a good day today, but again, I, I, I mean, I don't think he does enough and I could see him missing. Yeah. So I, I think Lynn has looked good for, for a guy who, I mean, had no expectations and seems to have a legitimate role. I, I like it. I also think Will Lutz has, has solidified that role to me. I, I think we can stop talking about Blake groupie, well, went eight for eight on kicks today. I believe he made one from yeah. fifty-seven or fifty-nine to close out the day. I, I, I mean, we can we can stop talking about that battle. I still think there's a battle at punter to be talked about, but I, I think we, you know, we, obviously he needs to go out in the preseason and and kick. But he looks good. He looked just as good as he did last year. Knock on wood that that changes uh, in terms of he looked good last year and he struggled in the season. But I, I don't see a scenario where he loses that job in camp. No, I, I, I'm right with you there with the kicker situation. I guess with Krupe, you just got to hope uh, another team doesn't notice him and he's there just in case of emergency, something happens with an injury to Lutz and you can you got somebody on the short dial to get back in the building. Yeah, but there's a lot more to learn. We're less than two weeks away from the first preseason game, which is crazy. The Hall of Fame game is on Thursday. Yes, correct, okay. sir. Man, it's way too early for football, but we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm excited. I made it through the entire series. I think it's eight parts of the quarterback series on Netflix. Fully enjoyed it until that last episode when it was featuring the Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And my childhood favorite Eagles blew that game. I have not watched it and I do not plan to. I think it'd be into that with the it's pretty interesting. I watch football all the time when I'm not working. You don't want to get for football. I, I mean, like, how much football do I need in my life? Like, uh, there's other things. I hear you. <laughs> I know. So I don't know. Like, the, the like the uh, even the hard knock stuff, like, it's just like, gosh, how much of this do I need? You know what? I typically haven't watched them. Last year I did just because of so many Saints connections with the Lions. May I'm, I, I'll probably tune in to see stuff with the Jets and, and Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think I'll be following it religiously. 
Yeah. Like I'll watch games. Uh, like when I'm not working, yeah. I'll watch football games, but I'm not going out of my way to find I, I watch documentaries and I guess the, the quarterback thing is, is like that, but I, I prefer like the 30 for thirties. Um, like the, the old school ones, like there was one on Marcus Dupree that I highly recommend. That was really you know, great. Stuff yeah. like that. Like the book of Manning is really good. I highly recommend that. Like that's the type of stuff that I'm looking for sports stuff. That's it's like, there's enough, like I need to figure out what happened before me. I don't need to get more information about what's going on now. <laughs> right. It's like, I, I got enough to deal with, with Derek Carr. I don't need to hear the inside outs of Derek cousins, uh, uh Kirk cousins. Kirk cousins. Yeah. Lifestyle. I agree. It, I, I, I agree. will. Say, I will say the the really the whole thing to me really humanize these guys that they're not just these athletes on a pedestal. You see that they go through real struggles at home, off the field kind of thing, and I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Um, we look at often these guys as superheroes, and they're they're really just mere mortals, folks. We just talked about Jimmy Graham for 20 minutes, and I think we kind of got to that point as well. But yes, I, I agree, and I think the, you know that's something to remember when you talk about people getting franchise tagged, and it's like, wow, why can't you can't play 11 million dollars a year? Like, yeah, well, well, your NFL career lasts five years, and then you got to figure it out. Um, anyway, we don't need to get into that. This podcast is over. <laughs> we don't need a whole other podcast starting up on that subject. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller. WWL, you can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. I haven't been great about posting to that Twitter account, but I'll I'll be better. I'll be, I promise. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be better. Yeah. And if you want to check out our latest Saints content, check it out over at WWL.com or on YouTube at WWL Sports. You can listen to Steve on Sports Talk every night. Uh, WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app. Steve, what are you going to talk about tonight? Uh, getting more into stuff with training camp, going over no. some of the sound we got from the podium with uh, Bobby, and we'll react to that, obviously. And then uh, me, uh, Bobby, and Mike are about to give our top takes at 545 on the uh, the Crossfire segment that we just kind of uh, installed where we're all given uh, our top options. And you know Bobby's going to end up eating most of the clock, though, on that. That's what he does. I used to have a game called Crossfire. It was like a board game where you would like yeah. shoot balls at each other. You know what I'm talking I about? That. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it wasn't alone. I have to go find one of those. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. We'll be coming at you later in the week with another episode as my dog sneezes. Bless you. Really loudly. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot to learn. If you have any questions, let me know. If you, have a, if you want us to get into any subjects, hit me up. My DMs are open. I love suggestions because it saves me the effort of having to get that hamster turning in We're not brain. very good thinkers. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk your ears off. But I, when it comes to getting that things that wheel started, it's it's tough. And it's just you know just cobwebs and and bags of funyuns and stuff like that. <laughs> my good thing. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Whew. Who that? Go Saints. We, we got tons to bring you because fans are not practice for a while. So get ready for the next episode, which should be really hot. Who baby? All right. Peace, y'all. Bye.